Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in to the Take Command Podcast. That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And in just mere moments, Logan, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl is going to join us. Yeah, that's really exciting. I mean, obviously, that's the the path of the draft starts in Mobile. And there's a, you know, there's a reason that they say that. All those guys, most of those guys end up getting drafted. It's such a great opportunity to kind of flush out your evaluation. And it's such a unique part also because you know, they're playing football. They're not, you know, yeah. underwear doing testing. They're playing football. So you get to see kind of how guys take coaching, how guys respond to adversity and how guys respond to a different level of physicality, especially if they're from, um, you know, different levels of football, which has been uh, cool to see over the last couple of years. So always fun to talk to Jim. They do such a good job of finding these guys and then getting them to the senior bowl. So I'm really excited to talk to him. Yeah, Jim, an accomplished scout in his own right as well, uh, formerly with the Patriots and the Seahawks before he ultimately took the job with the Senior Bowl. Uh, we'll say for those watching on the video, uh, we just actually talked to Jim, so this is a little bit out of order. We will react to what Jim had to say and uh, also uh, kind of go further into some of the draft stuff on the back end of this podcast. But if you're watching the video of the interview, Jim had an auto tracker on his camera and we were short on time and we didn't have time to fix it. So it's kind of a, a mind bleep. Uh, <laughs> his, his camera's kind of moving around with his hands and stuff. And, and it's a, I will, we will admit it's a little distracting. We get it. 
It'll be okay. The information is phenomenal. The information's excellent. Just I wouldn't I wouldn't focus your eyes on Jim. Not because he's not a good looking man. It's just it might mess with your head a little bit. So uh, take it in. Take the audio. Walk around. Whatever you're doing. Uh, however you watch it on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, uh, we we know we know. Uh, so here's Jim uh, and our interview with him, and then Logan and I have plenty more on the 2024 NFL Draft on the back end. Our guest today is Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, just a man who knows so much about everything going on this time of year in the NFL, prospects, front office folks, got a great read on the coaching search uh, type of candidates as well. So Jim, appreciate your time here on Take Command. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I, by the way, runs, uh, I think, Logan and I's favorite event of this time of year oh, yeah, as well. Absolutely. I miss, miss going down to Mobile as a beat reporter now that I'm stuck in a studio every single day. But, uh, Jim, you have such a great feel, not just for the prospects that we'll talk about in a second, but for the front office type of folks around the NFL. Um, commanders get Adam Peters, who is widely considered the best guy on the market. What's your experience been like with Adam, and, and what do you think about that hire for Washington? Yeah, AP and I were together for like seven years, I want to say, in New England. Um uh, yeah, it was great. I, I'm happy for Adam. It was, it was a really good hire. He's he's been, he's won everywhere he's been, you know. And so I, he's he got out of that Patriots tree and, and kind of jumped into a new tree in Denver. And um, you know, he won there, and then he now he's won at San Francisco. So he's been a part of different winning organizations and not just the Patriot way. Um, you know, like I went to Seattle after New England. It was a completely different way to do things, which is so beneficial as a as a leader, just to see different styles and different values, you know, value systems in, a, in an organization. So, no, happy for AP. He's obviously ready for it. Uh, he's been interviewing for these jobs for a while now, um, going through the interview process, and, and he could be selective. He was in a great situation. Why would you leave the 49er organization when you're competing for Super Bowls right now if, if you didn't believe it was, a, you know, the right fit and the right thing to do? So just really happy for Adam, happy for the commander's organization. They got a good football guy. Yeah, and obviously he's got a big decision coming up here in the draft. And obviously the coaching hire is going to be a big part of that. But, you know, probably quarterback at two. You guys, obviously there's some there's that three kind of – the cluster of three at the top there that everyone's really excited about. But you guys got some big names at the Senior Bowl. How do you view that pick and, like, what direction would you go if you're Adam? Yeah, it's certainly going to be dependent upon if the whoever the new head coach is feels like Sam Howell could be a guy that you could work with. Because if – if you don't have to go quarterback right there, I mean, you can you can trade out. There's going to be people that want a quarterback, um, so you could you could you could you know Adam could his first year um, go out and get a lot of draft capital, which for for any personnel guys a lot is fun to think about, right? Um, starting off a new program, so um, that's going to be key, obviously. And uh, but these three guys that that are being talked about as the top three, Caleb and Drake, and and Jaden, um, I watched more of, of Jaden Daniels than the other two guys. Um, you know, Jaden was a guy that uh, we invited. I went over there, Baton Rouge, and did a in-person invite with him, and, and really thought we were going to get him here because for a long time it was just Drake and Caleb. Um, and then after the Heisman thing, like the media jumped on Jaden, and you know they've kind of ridden him all the way to the top of the draft now. So um, it'll be interesting. They're three different players now. I mean, Drake's down here training in Mobile right now for the, his draft process, and. I uh, went out and saw him throw the other day and, and uh, went in and watched video with those guys at the workout. And um, so they're different, man. And I've seen a lot of Caleb, uh, you know, just doing tape of the USC guys over the years. So uh, they're going to have three, three, if, if that's what they do, if they decide to stick there and, and go quarterback, I mean, you're talking about three very different players. 
for sure. And then you've got the guys that are coming down to Mobile. And the hot name right now coming into the week seems to be Bo Nix. And there's thought he could rise all the way, you know, who knows, top 10 maybe even. Like if, if all of a sudden he has the kind of week that we think he can have in Mobile, those of us that like him, um, how does that change the contour of this draft? Well, it just brings more more quarterbacks into play early. You're probably going to see more movement in terms of the draft. You're going to maybe see some teams trading around, that that sort of thing. But, yeah, and he, to me, I, I, I've always liked Bo. Um, mm. You know, had a lot of exposure to him down here in the state of Alabama when he was a high school player. He's, he's the last guy in our state that's won back-to-back state titles at the 7A level, which is our biggest level of high school football down here. Um, you know, obviously started right away at Auburn. We were actually – we had a scout at his first game. We were scouting Justin Herbert. Um, in Bo's first game as a starter there at Auburn and the ironic thing was it's funny we got I've got on-field video from that scout of that day and Bo ended up wearing Justin's number 10 at Oregon by the time he was done but I'll say this like in terms of what Bo brings to the table um, in my in my opinion was you know the biggest thing he did the last two years and the most impressive thing he did at Oregon he shed a lot of bad habits he developed a lot of bad habits at, at Auburn playing behind kind of a porous offensive line and he, he became kind of a sandlot player which is a cool thing to have that's a really cool tool to have at the next level when you're trying to learn in the nfl to be able to run around and make stuff happen off off script and he did that at auburn but then he goes to eugene and they really rein him in and he you know because mechanically he broke down decision making he broke down and he really reined it in and, and, and shed some bad habits um in really one year and then uh and had a couple different coordinators in Eugene. So there's a lot to like, man. I'll say this, like he is all about football when, when I, cause he's training down here as well with Drake may and to be around those two guys. And his dad was actually out there watching the, his dad's of his dad just won another seven, a state title down here this year. Um, so it is a football family, man. This dude is all about football and all about competing. And the teams are going to love that, right? Like the other three guys decided they didn't want to do this. I mean, this kid is going to take every opportunity to compete. So uh, he is a, he is just a football guy all the way. So I know like the interview part of the process is going to be really good to him. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, when you hear people talk about people that love ball, I mean, especially scouts and people have been around it, obviously it kind of speaks to, to, to something that's like that kind of that intangible quality. It's always fun to talk about, but you also have some other really interesting quarterbacks down there. Um, you got Joe Milton and you got the guy from, uh, gosh, I forget his name at the moment, Tulane, Tulsa. Is that right? Yeah. Mike, Mike, Michael Pratt from Tulane. He's that are, he's, the, he's the sleeper. Yeah. That are very kind of talented. They all have their own warts. And it just, I, I, you know, credit to you, man, you guys seem to get very, very talented people every single year. What do you think about those guys? And what do you think about the rest of the quarterback class? Spencer Rattler also in that group. Yeah, I would say just hitting them real quick. Michael Penix was a big get for us. You know, at the start of the year, if you would have told me we could get Bo yeah. and Michael, we and you know, and I thought we were going to get Jaden at one point. Those would have been the big three of the senior class. Uh, you know, but Penix and Bo were kind of the faces of college football this year. They both ended up in New York. So, um, you know, what, Michael is a great deep ball thrower, very accurate. I mean, that's hard. That's hard to find. Um, but he's also got a lot more arm strength. I mean, just because you can throw it accurately deep doesn't mean you have, you know, a really strong arm, but he does. I mean, I can't wait for the teams to see this guy throw on a field. Um, I saw him three summers ago at the Manning camp over in Thibodeau and uh, this dude can hum it now. So it's, it's going to look really good on the practice field. Michael Pratt to me is the sleeper of the group. I think a lot of teams have starter grades on Michael Pratt. You know, he's a, he's a group of five guys, so you don't hear a lot about him in the mainstream media, but, this is a dude that lifted a program. I mean, he took Tulane to a Cotton Bowl 
a Cotton Bowl win over Caleb Williams two years ago. Um, they only lost one game in the regular season this year. He's a winner. He's accurate. He's extremely tough. He can process. Like he he does a lot of things at a high level that NFL starters do. Um, Spencer Rattler is a guy that, uh, and I've said this on some other podcasts. Like there's always guys in the draft that that uh, when you talk to guys in the league, I'm like, okay, the league's way higher on this guy than the media is right now. And and usually it catches up. Like usually once we get through the process, by the time we get to April, the media talks to enough guys in the league where they catch on. The league's fired up to see Spencer Rattler here. He's another guy they think can be an NFL starter. And then and Joe Milton is a guy that uh, I think I, I think he threw the ball 86 yards at the Manning camp this summer. I mean, he's he's got a, a rocket launcher for an arm. He'll have the strongest arm down here probably since like, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, he's in that category of, of like arm strength. So, so he'll be a lot of fun to watch as well. So it's, it's a really cool group of players. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I think one of the biggest needs for Washington is to find a premier edge. They obviously traded away Chase and Montez uh, at the deadline. How, how does that class look overall? And, and who are some of the names to watch next week for you guys down in, uh, in Mobile? I would say it's a thin group, um, you know, compared to past years. You're going to have to go get one up high if, you, if you're going to get one. I, you're, you're not going to get much if you wait. Um, it really thinned out for us, uh, for, for the Senior Bowl. It really did. I mean, there was maybe five, six, seven guys and then a, a huge cliff on our board. So, um, Leatu Latu is coming to the Senior Bowl. He's got a chance to be our highest drafted player this year. Last year, Darnell Wright was our highest paid player at number 10 overall. Um, Latu is a guy that uh, – bottom line he knows how to rush the passer man like he, he knows how to set guys up he's got a really good feel for it he's a guy that's never out of a rush like you could you can cut him off and stymie him and he, he just knows how to stay in it and, and you know counter and and work a, a second or sometimes third move and he plays his tail off so it's not like he's just like this technician right. um so he's he's a really accomplished uh pass rusher and then some other guys down here, Marshawn Nealon is a name that I think people are going to learn when, you know, coming out of senior bowl week, Adisa Isaac at Penn state. Um, and Chris Braswell is a guy at Alabama that really got overshadowed the last two years by Will Anderson, Dallas Turner. Um, but, you know, I've seen Chris's name in some of these mock first round drafts and, you know, he probably belongs up there. He's going to test well at the combine. He's, and he's one of the rare five-star guys at Bama that like didn't play right away and really had to like earn his time and bide his time to get on the field. And then when he did, he really had a breakout year this year as a senior. So, so those are a few names. I, I, I think Braswell and, and Latu will probably go the highest of the group. And who knows, maybe, maybe Nealon and Adisa will, will sneak up there too in the second round. Yeah, obviously Washington's picking there in the second round. And there's the guys that I think are interesting from like a height, weight, speed standpoint in that group, like Darius Robinson and Miles Cole from Texas Tech. Like, what do you think about those guys? And like in terms of edge and just from having traits, um, like – could they elevate their draft stock with a good performance at the senior bowl? Yeah, I think I didn't mention those guys because I think they're they're probably more like five techniques. That, that, oh, interesting. That, that yeah, true. they're big guys. They're big body guys for sure. They're big body guys, and in in Missouri played Darius Robinson out there on the edge this year, so he was like a jumbo edge for those guys, and I do yeah. think he runs well enough where he could do that. Like in what I, my last last team I worked for was the Seahawks, and we had a a Leo position in our four, three defense that, that uh, Bruce Irvin played. I could see Darius doing that at 290 pounds. I mean, this guy, right. he is a, he is a absolute specimen. If you guys aren't going to make it to mobile, if you saw this dude, like <laughs> the old getting off the bus deal, like he's the first one off the bus. Um, and he made a nice jump on tape this year. He, he was, he was eligible for last year's senior bowl kind of fell right below the line. We had him in the fifth round. I think he's definitely going on day two this year. 
Um, and then Miles Cole is going to be the longest guy in the draft. He's got like an 87-inch wingspan. Yeah. It's it's really freaky. So, um, and he's a guy that can kind of move up and down the front. So it'll be a big week for Miles. I think you know people question instincts a little bit um, with Miles, yeah. but he's he's going to test really well. He's super long. So in in a league that's just like valuing traits more and more year in and year out, um, Miles Cole is not going to fall too. If he does make it to day three, he probably will make it to day three. Um, but I, I don't see him lasting very long on day three. Yeah, Logan will be down there. Uh, he will have to get our bus report. I will merely <laughs> sit here in this chair and ask him for the bus report. Uh, last thing for you, Jim, probably. We might be able to squeak in one more uh, tight on time here on the way out. I saw your tweet last week about kind of the depth of this draft. There is a ton at the top, and I, th- I think people have been obsessed with the top of this draft because of how strong the quarterback class is, et cetera. Obviously, mm-hmm. in Washington, we're psyched because we're at the top. Um, but it does apparently really thin out. How unique is this kind of draft class in that way, and how do you think it ultimately affects the draft with teams potentially trading out on day three and trying to to maybe get some more picks in the future yeah this is like an hour-long answer so we're gonna have to pick this up <laughs> on another episode um deal no, done. It, w- it was a really strange dynamic guys really i'll try to pull it together as quickly as i can like we can bring underclassmen this year so that was a different dynamic so in terms of like the invite process we couldn't just invite 120 or 130 seniors right out of the chute we had to like reserve certain roster spots at each position and then kind of play the waiting game to see who, who was going to come out and then if we could get them in the game or not. Um, so what happened was when guys weren't getting invites in December, a lot of these guys kind of, and this is from agents, this isn't me like pontificating, this is from the agent community telling me that what happened and what coaches have told me what happened. Some players like push the panic button that like, oh my, they didn't get a senior bowl invite, like that must be, mean the league doesn't value me. So they they jumped in the portal or they took they you know they agreed to an NIL deal and they're going back to school. So then when 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 we got to like January and we still had roster spots available because some of the juniors stayed in or we didn't get those juniors and we wanted to circle back to the next, you know, work down the board, I would start making calls and they're like, you know, Jim, he transferred here, he's he's committed NIL here. So like the whole depth of day three just got totally wiped off our board. So um I, again, I'm not I'm not complaining. We got the players we wanted for the senior bowl. But from a draft perspective, to me, rounds five through seven completely fell apart. They're all going to be back in college football next year. So if I'm a team that's holding a lot of day three capital, I'm looking maybe to maneuver around on day, you know, day one and day two and trade picks and move up and go get the guys we want up high. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously Washington, fortunately, has five picks in the top 100. uh, So they can hopefully get in uh, what they need before that drop off. But going to be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, Jim, Logan, I'll see you next week. Uh, I've got to get down there next year. I I miss coming down there when I used to be on the beat up here. Um, Always a great event. Uh, You guys have such a tremendous group this year. We look forward to watching it on TV. Those of us that won't be in Mobile. And uh, we will definitely have you back to unpack that answer and and much more uh, sometime after the uh, after you get done with uh, your, your day job down there with, with the Senior Bowl next week. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Logan, I'll see you next week. Yep, thanks. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. 
Our thanks again to Jim Nagy, Senior Director of the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. The draft starts in Mobile. Uh, the coverage, by the way, all the way next week on NFL Network. Uh, my guy, Andrew Siciliano, leads the coverage. Uh, he was on the show last week. They do a great job. So uh, for those of us that are stuck at home, got a way to watch it. Uh, and Logan, let me say this real quick before we get into kind of the, the topic that we're going to talk about here to start uh, some of the quarterback stuff, more of it. I've had some folks ask like, okay, if McDonald makes the, the Super Bowl, Johnson doesn't, is, does that hurt McDonald because you can get Johnson in and he could go down to the Senior Bowl? It's important to remember, all this stuff is on film. So, right. well, yes, you would like to be able to watch the Senior Bowl in person. A lot of coaches don't even go anyway. Right. Um, when you have the number two pick, maybe it's a little more important to go, even though maybe the guys that you're going to take at number two aren't there. But you can catch up as a coaching staff on all of this stuff because you have the film. So I, just, I think that's an important thing in terms of the process to point out, and then we can get into the, the quarterback stuff. Well, so I think there's a reason you go GM hire first, and it's because like in, in a GM-centric model or a GM-coach-centric model where they both have their own kind of independent authority, this is the GM's job. The GM's job is to take this information, which is all of these potential prospects, distill the information, give them grades, and organize that information. When the coach then comes in and they say, this is the type of players we're looking for at this position, they will then go and recomb through that information that they've already distilled and then present the coaches, the staff, with lists, right? And that process usually happens after the combine, which is crazy to think about. Everyone says, like, I'd go to the combine and be like, talking about my coaching buddies. I'm like, hey, what'd you think of so-and-so? What'd you think of so-and-so? They're like, we haven't got our list yet because the, the the GM and the scouting staff has not organized it in a way that's ready for the coaches yet. So the coaches, instead of having to watch, so for example, I think there's, um, I'm trying to remember the exact number. There's probably seven tight ends going to the Senior Bowl. There's seven tight ends going to the Shrine Bowl. There's, three, there's two or three guys that aren't going to either bowl that'll be dropped. So that's about 17 to 20 players that would have like a draftable possibility. The coaches don't need to watch all those guys. The scouts go through them and they say, here are 10 guys we need you to watch. Here are five guys we need to watch. Right. And, and these are the ones us... that fit our system that fit what you want out of a tight right. end. We've eliminated the other ones for you. And that's one of the things like, you know, I I, I feel a certain level of sympathy for Ron. I, maybe I shouldn't because he did to himself. But as the coach and the GM, it's a lot of stuff to distill. And so this is one of the benefits of this model. You have someone in place. You know, I think uh, Josh Harris said it best. When he was like, you know, it's an 80 hour job week to be a GM. And this is why I have to get through this information, distill this information, categorize it all in a way that I want. Like, I think in, in the Nagy conversation, I think you brought up a great point. I have two guys that I have classified as defensive ends, right? Because I think they could play defense and defensive ends in a four down structure, like the one that was here last year with uh, Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera. But he was like, I have them classified as five techniques. And I think that's totally reasonable, but that's something a GM would do. Like GM Logan Paulson says, these guys are potential edge players. GM Joe Nagy says, no, these are five techniques. And again, depending on our defensive scheme, that's a decision that's been made for me ahead of time. And I think that that is awesome to have. And so that's kind of what, why it's not as important. I don't think to kind of have this, um, you know, the, the coach in place yet, because you've got the GM here. And for this part of the off season, that's right. the most important important hire. So, right. We're still in the information gathering. You need to have all the information in order to be able to sort it coach is necessary to sort it properly but uh because you have to know what you're sorting for correct but the gm uh can can do other stuff now so uh gathering information on quarterbacks jim jim uh 
is is one of the people that's like, I don't know, maybe you you circle back on Sam right. Howell and trade down. What did you make of that comment with with kind of where this quarter, the top of this quarterback class is, and guys like Knicks and Penix and McCarthy, by the way, potentially rising. Yeah, man, I think I've, it's always a good reminder because I think, you know, I, I just finished going through the quarterbacks and obviously to me, Caleb Williams is like the guy and his kind of big wart or blemish is the fact that he does everything off schedule. And that's a little bit disconcerting, but he just has so much natural playmaking ability in a very like early career Russell Wilson way that you're like, maybe we take a bet on this guy just because he's such a tremendous talent. So I think if I think if I'm Chicago, that's the direction I'm going. And then, like on the last podcast, I alluded to the fact that I'm like a I'm a, like a I'm a Daniels guy right now. I think his his athletic upside, his accuracy, his playmaking ability probably puts him ahead of Drake May for me. But the the thing that he brought up, which I thought was really fascinating, and it's a good thing to remind yourself as a talent evaluator, is like if you don't love that guy, like let's say for example, I don't have I'm not in love with Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Bo Nix, you know, whoever is the the the, the kind of quarterback class of this year. Um, there is value in having that second pick. So if I were to trade that pick, much like Philadelphia did a couple of years ago, and accrue draft capital, and then say I trade back and I'm able to draft, um, you know, the Oregon State tackle at ten or whatever, whatever that looks like, and then I'm also able to pick up another first round pick, so I'm able to draft a receiver and a defensive end. You know, I think like those types of decisions are so critical, especially when there's so many gaps in uh, in the roster, right? And so then you have more draft capital next year and you do have the opportunity because of this extra draft capital to trade it for someone that you really, really like. I don't see that happening. Again, I haven't done any evaluation of the 2025 draft class because I'm not that much of a psycho, but it seems like <laughs> these three guys are pretty good players. You know, like these guys are pretty good compared to last year, compared to the year before. Like I have a pretty high grade on them. So, um, and again, like I also think it's important to note, like I like, Bo Nix's tape at Oregon, obviously. Obviously at Auburn, that's a different player, but I like his tape at Oregon. And I think, you know, um, uh, the quarterback from Michigan, uh, what's his name? Uh, J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy has some pro-level traits and everything you hear out of Michigan, he's going to test super well. He's been in a pro-style offense. So maybe you say, hey, if we can get enough infrastructure around him, a young offense, a good OC, a guy that can help him develop, maybe those are some decisions we can make. And then Penix, I think, is really interesting. The only reason I haven't fallen in love with him necessarily is because I think the injury history is very comprehensive there. So it gives me a little bit of pause. But again, like that that second kind of cluster of quarterbacks is very, very talented. And we haven't even talked about kind of that third tier, which I think I think are starting caliber players in the right universe. So like Joe right. Milton, he talked about is one of the most talent, like one of the most talented guys I've ever watched. Does that mean he's a good quarterback? No, but he's very, very talented. So maybe you take a flyer on him, you get him in a Jalen Hurts tight system and it elevates the offense and you live with him for a year or two. And then he kind of develops in the same way Lamar Jackson did. Is that likely? I don't know. But, and then I think the other kid, um, the kid from Tulane, let me get his name for a second, is maybe the most accurate dude in the class. Like he is awesome. And again, I think a starting caliber player. So maybe you yeah, fall in love Michael with Pratt. that guy. Michael Pratt, thank you. And I think, again, so th this quarterback class is unique, and I think that's one of the reasons the draft is so exciting. But it's a good reminder, basically saying that beauty's in the eye of the beholder. If I don't love one of these top three guys, I'm going to say two because I think Caleb Williams is going to be off the board. And I guess, and that's the other thing we didn't even talk about. If you love Caleb Williams and you think he's the answer moving forward, are you going to trade to one? So you can either go up, you can go down, but I do think just reminding yourself that there is – some flexibility here at two and the and the flexibility that that pick gives you at two is a, just a great reminder by Jim Nagy uh, to kind of bring that up. And especially in this kind of 
diverse landscape of quarterbacks, specifically in this class. No, I think that's a hundred percent correct. And I think, I don't know, there's like a, there's a, so many different offshoots of this conversation. Right. Um, one of which is, I do think that while Sam Howell isn't who I'd want to bank my future on, if all of a sudden you get stuck with him and like a younger guy, one, Sam is still 23 years old. Right. So again, I'm not saying that he, you should go back to him. I've been very clear. I think he's probably best suited as a backup and maybe that is where he's going to be for a decade. Uh, of his career in the NFL because he's smart and he, you know, if, if he's got to make a play break class in case of emergency guy, like he's already proven he can do that. Um, but he's going to be younger or he is younger than half the dudes that are about to be drafted. Correct. So if all of a sudden you, you circle back and you're like, yeah, the contract, you know, we're halfway through the rookie deal, but we just don't really like any of these guys. So let's buff up the roster. Like they're going to be better than they were this year, just with another year of experience with Sam, a more quarterback friendly system and a lot better roster, hopefully around him. And then you can attack it next year. So that would be thing one, but to also you could take a quarterback with that 35th pick. You know, right. who's the who's the top quarterback in the second round? And you get you probably are trading out of two at that point and letting someone else come up and take a quarterback. In doing so, you get a top flight tackle or, or edge or whatever it is, and you'll probably get their first round pick next year. Right. And whoever that team is, is probably not going to be very good because they're going to be starting Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels, unless one of those guys has a breakout rookie year, you're much more likely to be Bryce Young as a rookie than you are CJ Stroud. So you probably yeah. get a really good pick in 25. You're still probably not going to be an awesome team in 2025, 24. So your pick might be high in 25. So that is kind of the Eagle strategy of, of doing it is, yeah. while it seems like the right thing to do is in a quarterback heavy class, take a quarterback when you have the number two pick and the thought process is that we'll never pick this high again. You also don't want to wait to this pick because you hopefully are never going to pick this high again. And right. if you take... A quarterback because you're supposed to and you're not in love with that guy i don't that's to me that's not a good pick i also do think there's credence to the lottery ticket theory that like these quarterbacks evaluations are really hard it's a bit of a crap shoot right. just take the quarterback and if you if you can squint hard enough that you, unless you just like really don't like them if you kind of like them it's probably worth the shot and a guy like Jaden Daniels with his talent, or even Drake May with his natural talent. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the arm, he's got um, a fearlessness and a playmaking ability that's that's nice. Like, it's probably worth it just to take one. And, and if it doesn't work out, if you realize in a year you messed up, you're going to suck and you'll be right back there again. And you try again next year, a la the Cardinals with um, Josh Rosen and then ultimately Kyler Murray. Yeah, and I think, they're, they're, I, think I, I agree. But I also think like with a roster where there's a lot of, you know, a lot of growing that needs to be done, a lot of filling out that needs to be done. Like if you were to trade back and you're able to get a tackle like the Talisi Fuaga kid from Oregon State, who is awesome, you get him at 10. And you're also able to get Latu Latu at 15 or 16. Those are two, what in my estimation, blue chip players. And the reason I say Latu, uh, Latu at 16 is because he's got this medical history, right? And so you get a guy that is probably a top 10 talent, but you get him at 16, you get an edge player that you can build around. <clears throat> it's on a rookie deal. You get a tackle of the future. And and I think you kind of say, wow, is that in terms of our team building philosophy, is that worth it? You know, and and th those are the types of questions you're going to be negotiating. And, it, you know, if the price is right, like if someone comes in and says, we'll give you four first round picks for the second overall pick, like 
I'm done. probably doing that. You know what I mean? And again, but if it's like, hey, two in a second, I'm be like, you know, let's let's, let's roll the dice with quarterback. So I think that I, I'll, I, we're we're speculating tremendously here, but I think it's important. It was an important reminder for me because I was yeah. like, they're going to go quarterback at two, and then I was like, I think there is a especially because of how this draft is allocated too. I think you also brought that up in the conversation. There are some really good football players in the top 100, like really good football players. And then after that, you're kind of like, maybe this guy's a draftable player, maybe not. And again, you got to draft somebody, so you're going to get players there, obviously. But if you just increase your hit hit rate in this really kind of thick upper upper half of the class, maybe that's not a bad idea either. And so I think it's just an important reminder that this these are decisions that Adam has to make, and that and why it's important to have him in place because he's got to kind of make this evaluation for himself. And he might disagree with Nagy. He might say, hey, man, you know, like this quarterback's generational, franchise-changing guy, let's take him. Or he's like, man, we're kind of on the fence. Let's fill out. And yeah, get he's, it might piece. be like, look, I know I know how to target a quarterback. Brock Purdy was Correct. was it is, it is my latest success story. Um, so there's there's different ways to do it. I will say this. I think, I think to me the biggest question that I'm going to have by the time the draft rolls around is what's the difference – I mean, obviously, it only matters, not only matters what Peters thinks, but like the collective commander's brain trust. How yeah. big is the gap between May, Daniels, and Nix and Penix and McCarthy? Yeah. Like, because if it's not that much and you don't trade back, that is reckless. Like, yeah. you have to, because someone's going to love one of those top three guys. And if you can get value for that, um, or like you get a New England team that you convince you're going to take their guy. And even if you swap two and three, yeah. right? Like you, you convince them, Hey man, if you really like Drake may, and it's not even that you have to convince them, uh, that, that you like him, uh, you have to convince them that someone else is going to come up. Correct. And it's like, Hey, we got a call from Vegas at seven. We're okay with, with taking, uh, their deal. We'd rather take yours. If you'll give us three, but yeah. they're going to, if not, we're going to trade it to seven and they're going to take Drake May. So if you want yeah. May, give me your offer now. That's got to be better than theirs. And you can go back from two to three, still get your guy and Daniels potentially, um, but be willing to go back to seven. Like that is because you like Knicks, for instance. Like yeah. that is the kind of decision making that is complex. It's not very concise and doesn't make for like a, a good, uh, concise, hot take. But like yeah. those are the decisions that we're really talking about here. So I know obviously we're, as early in the process as you can be with the senior bowl coming next week. And you're just kind of getting through the tape portion of it. But like to you, how distinct is that divide right now? And, and how, you know, why do you land on Daniels for instance, as the top, a guy outside of Caleb Williams? Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, it's kind of close. I was at the, you know, I was at that, um, the, uh, the, the combine prep facility and there's all these agents walking around and you kind of bump into one and they'll say, they say stuff. And they're like, I think Jane Daniels, Jane Daniels should be the first guy taken. Right. Like, and they're not messing around. Like they watch a right. lot of film. They know what's going on. And I think he's like, you know, this guy that I was talking to was like, when it's all said and done, I think that could be a thing. And so obviously I think Jane Daniels is excellent. And I think when you look at Jane Daniels, the thing that jumps out to me about him and his play style is he is such a playmaker back there. And it's not a playmaker in like he's running around, which is a huge advantageous element to him. But against Alabama, he looked dominant. He's making tight window throws. He's throwing with anticipation. He's He's got this kind of the, this quality to his play, this understanding of when to run, when to throw, when to stand in the pocket that was just so high level. And then you saw the same thing against Florida. And that, that ceiling was so incredibly high. And I heard someone articulate this. I think it was Bucky Brooks from uh, Daniel Jeremiah's podcast. 
basically say like the film this year for Drake May is not very good. I mean, it's 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 not good. Like Jaden Daniels' film is significantly better, but you're also betting on traits, and I think it's important to remind yourself that it's a projection business. So like this is not a one to one who's going to be better. It's like how does this guy project, and that's where. The interviews are so important, the film study. And that's why I think the senior bowl is so incredibly critical for a guy like Bo Nix. Because right now, the more you watch him, the more you're like, man, he's got more playmaking ability with his legs than he wants. He's really accurate. He's got a stronger arm than I thought he had. And then let's say he goes down to the senior bowl, like like uh, Nagy was alluding to, and he just wows people with how he learns offenses and his hunger for football and his passion about it. And you say, man, maybe the gap between – you know, Drake May and him isn't that much. And then kind of to your point, maybe we can trade back. But for me, Daniels, as of right now, it's still very early. It just, the the playmaker that I saw this year was spectacular. And I think that's something that I just couldn't get past in the evaluation. I'm like, I would kick myself if I passed on that for Drake May, a guy where I didn't really see it this year. And, you know, obviously he's got traits. He's got the strong arm. He's I don't even say he's not even that accurate. Like he, he, he missed some bad throws this year. Like I was underwhelmed with his tape and I can't just say because this guy's big and strong and runs well that I can and had take a good, him. had a good 22. I think it's 22. That's right. That's a great point. The tape in 22 is, is good. I, and I'm not, I'm just trying no, to paint a complete picture. I haven't watched a lick of, of Drake may outside of one. I will say there was a cut up that I saw on Twitter mm-hmm. yesterday of uh, it, it literally the tweet was bleep it. Two minutes of Drake may being yeah. chaotic versus Duke. And yet, yeah. there's some playmaking in there, but I don't yeah. know that it's exactly positive uh, on the resume. Right. And I think that's that was the thing I came out of it. I was like, is he talented? Yeah. Are there issues with his game? Yeah. And I just prefer the playmaker at the moment. And that's I think a lot of teams are going to lean that way, <clears throat> at least at least uh, based on the 2023 tape. And then obviously for the quarterback, the interview process is so important. But my point is that Bo Nix at the Senior Bowl, if he has the senior bowl week that everyone seems to think he's going to have, he could be right there in that conversation and be a top 10 pick. And I, I don't think it's a surprise that you see guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Brucky Books, the guys that the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, all of a sudden taking Bo Nix, who was a second round player. And now he's kind of in that 12 to 17 range on a lot of their mocks. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence because I think they're expecting him to have a big week down here in Mobile. Yeah, uh, and again, Logan will be down there next week, so we'll have tons of coverage. Uh, very excited about that. Um, anything else on the quarterback front before we we flip gears? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Penix, like um, yeah, with with the with the game that he had against Texas. I think there's, I think he's a little bit more, at least in the stuff I've seen. Now, I haven't done the same direct evaluation that I've done with those other guys we just talked about, but uh, you know, when I watch, you know. Um, the receiver, uh, uh, Dunze, uh, Roma yeah. Dunze, um, like, and I watched the other guy for number two there for them, and I'm just trying to get the receiver evaluations done. You see what everyone talks about, what everyone gets excited about with him, like this ability to throw the deep ball, but you also see a little bit of inconsistency with his game that you could, that I, that I would anticipate would piss a lot of scouts off. So, do I think he's a first round talent? Yeah, but I think there's a little bit of a question about his consistency and his injury history. So, if he goes down and balls out. Uh, at this level, I think that's going to be really interesting. Another guy, like I mentioned him a bunch of times, uh, obviously, is Joe Milton. Like, his tape is so crazy to watch because of the just the tremendous physical tools. Like, it's somebody's going to fall in love with it. And I'm not saying he's going to, he's not, he's not going to be a first round pick, but I could definitely see him going high in the second round because people are like, he's just got too much to ignore from a talent standpoint. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, look, let's wrap up with the other uh, big names, I guess, that are going to be down in Mobile. There's so many, but uh, Jim specifically said he thinks Laitu Latu, the the defensive uh, edge from UCLA, is going to be the top pick off the board uh you actually disagree not because you're like ah jim doesn't know what he's talking about you just think there's enough talented guys that there's some options down there and you're looking at talisi fuaga the uh offensive tackle out of oregon what do you like about both of those guys and because i i think you know in a trade back scenario if you wind up with multiple picks in the first round like that edge and right tackle um or even left tackle could absolutely be positions of need for washington yeah, no, I think uh, so. I don't disagree. I think if if he had a clean medical history, because uh, Latu was a guy that medically retired from UW, they basically kicked him out of the program because he had a neck issue, and then he cleared at UCLA and resigned. So he was medically retired. I want to say for like a year and a half, wasn't playing football, and then came back. And obviously, he won Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. And it's not like oh, this is the Pac-12. Like he was awesome like he is the most technically advanced pass rusher i've seen in a couple years like he just has every move he's got such a good feel he's got he has such good hands i think there's a little bit of a concern like in the scouting community about how he's going to test but like when you just turn on the film you're just like this dude's awesome he's fun to watch the second half of the usc game i mean i've never seen a more die literally and not this is not being hyperbolic i've never seen a defensive player be more dominant like they just could not touch him. They could not block him. And I think that's a skill set that's transferable. Like if he were to come to the NFL tomorrow, I think he's like a 10 sack guy, you know, and wow. I just because he's so technically sound. Now, can he play all four? Can he play all three downs? I don't know. Like, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the whole world. He's like 250 pounds, but I, I think he's very, very talented. But I think uh, Fuaga, the, the right tackle, like you turn on his film, he is big. He is nasty. He's strong as an ox. He's physical. He moves super well. And I just thought this guy is a top, he's a top two tackle, top three tackle in the NFL. And I personally like him a little bit better than the Penn State guy. Um, Fashado, oh, thank you. Yeah. So for me, like, I think he's probably going to go ahead because he's got clean medical. His tape's awesome. He's gotten better every single year. He's, he's again, he's one of those kind of mauling right tackles. And so I think he's probably going to go ahead of him. But I think, the, what I was what I was also going to say that kind of supports Jim's point here is that edge class is so weak. It's really like yeah. Latu. It's the kid from it, there's a kid from Oregon, uh, not Oregon, from Alabama. Again, number fifteen from Downstar. Alabama. Yes, who's also a good player, but I don't think his films is good. And then you're kind of like, who else? There's the Braswell kid who's a little bit stiff. He's got some ability, but he's kind of he seems like a role player guy. Chop Robinson from Penn State who has a is a one trick pony. It's a dynamic trick. Now he is explosive <laughs> off the edge, but not overly yeah. polished feels like more of a second round player to me. And so if you need edge help, you're in trouble. The thing about Fuaga is there's a lot of good tackles. Like I, last year we were kind of like here are three or four guys we feel really good about here. There's like, I probably got six or seven. I want to say that I would consider taking in the first round. Obviously there's some fringe guys there from a technique standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint. So if you need edge, 
I think we, and we were going to probably talk about this on a different podcast. I think that's a free agency thing more yeah. this year than it's ever been before. And I think if you want to tackle, I think you could feel good about like maybe a Tyler Guyton, you know, if he does slip to the second round, that 35th pick, he's six, seven, he's 330 pounds. He's a converted tight end. He moves super well from Oklahoma. Like I would be, I would sprint that in at 35 if he's, if he's there. And again, is he going to be there? Tackles tend to get pushed up. I don't know, but I do think there's an opportunity to get like a, a, a legitimate tackle prospect in the second round, unlike edge to, to Nagy's point. Yeah. It's, it's going to be such a weird draft because I mean, most mocks right now have three quarterbacks, three receivers going in the first six picks that Absolutely. never happens. And the, so like all of a sudden, if you want a receiver, if you want wide receiver four, you might have to trade up to like nine. So let me just say this. If you, if you want to trade for a receiver, don't do it. There are so many good receivers in this class. Obviously there's Marvin Harrison Jr. There's Roma Dunze. There's Malik neighbors. And those guys are, disgustingly sick to watch it's so fun like so fun to watch them they're such good football players but then you're like oh there can't be that many good receivers in the class but then even the other receiver from lsu brian thomas jr awesome receiver from oregon i don't remember his name at the moment awesome there's like seven the two guys from texas awesome and you're like i can get a playmaker whenever i want xavier leggett we talked about him on the last show awesome coleman from florida state Awesome. There's to me, there's issues with how he separates. Maybe you kind of bumps him down boards, but you know, like there are just really good receivers in this class. I think it's reflective of the college game. So uh, unless you think that, for example, Roma Dunze, I've heard that some. Again, I've talked to some scouts who like him better than Marvin Harrison Jr. And if you think that's the guy, maybe you trade up for him. But I just am like, why? Because there's it's yeah. such a dense receiver class. It's like receivers and tackles very high, and then it's like. And quarterback, even to a certain extent, but well, that's the thing is like if yeah. eight receivers and seven quarterbacks go in the first round, like <laughs> everybody else is like, okay, there's only five edges in the whole draft, cool, but one of them is available at 35 because 15 dudes involved in the passing game when the point. first, you know, 32 picks, like it's crazy, like it sounds nuts, but like if the the top three guys, quarterback wise, are going to be the top three guys, yeah. the next three guys are probably all going in the first round. Yeah. Um, like we're talking six first round quarterbacks this year, probably, but five, definite, five for, definitely five. five. Yeah. And whether it's McCarthy or Penix that drops out, yeah. but like Knicks and the top three are going yeah. probably top 17, 18. I got to look at who's got, let's call it top 20 for I'd sure. Say, no, I, for sure. Yeah. Tw 20 for sure. Yeah. Um, and if not like Knicks might, if Knicks might challenge to go in the top 10. But, like, remember, we had Matt Miller on when he did his first mock, and this was super early in the process, like, even earlier than what we are right now, where we're still super early. He had McCarthy going, like, seven. Yeah. So, like, there's yeah. going to be some scouts that love McCarthy yeah. and, like, some scouts that love Penix. And if the right GM likes those guys, we're talking about potentially six. And then does someone do the, hey, let's trade back in at 28 and to get yeah. the fifth-year option on a guy like Milton? Like, you could legitimately be talking – you're somewhere between five and seven quarterbacks in the first round. So right. that's fun. You're talking about eight receivers at least with first round grades. We'll see how many yeah, actually go. Probably, I mean, Daniel Jeremiah just did his seven first round. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and then and then how many tackles? I think he had three. He had, no, he had so he had five tackles. You got Fashanu, Alt, uh, Fuaga. Fuaga, and he had uh, um, Morgan from Arizona. He had Guyton from Oklahoma. 
And then he had the then he had two guards go. He had Barton from Duke, and he had uh, the UW guy, the UW tackle who's going to move the so guard. So that's like twenty two of the thirty two picks. <laughs> that's a good point. That's quarterbacks, O line, and and receivers. So that's a great. We point. haven't even gotten to the fact that there's like a stud tight end in Brock Bowers. There's a yeah. couple other good tight ends. Like this this draft is like it is it's the like an anti bell curve. It's yes. like incredibly top heavy. Yeah. and incredibly shallow um relative like f seven yeah. seven round wise it's shallow yes. Yes. so it, this is a bizarre draft wacky stuff is going to happen teams are going to want to get up in this draft and if you're a team that's willing to be patient on a rebuild like the commanders potentially i don't know how patient they're going to be they might yeah. look at this rock like adam peters might get in watch the tape and be like these guys were coached like goobers <laughs> this this roster is way better than people think we can win this year and he might be like, let's get the pieces so that we can win now. And if that's the case, then they might be trying to get even more picks in this this top 100 than the five they have with a, a small trade back to acquire more capital. But if you're willing to be patient, and I don't know what 25 and 26 and 27 look like in terms of future potential first rounders, you know, people are going to want to trade up. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's an exciting thing. And I also think that as we've talked about, uh, outside of edge, it's pretty dense in a lot of the positions that the commanders need. The question yeah. is like, how do you do? And and you know, everyone does this. It's like, oh, you got to do quarterback at two, uh, and then offensive tackle at thirty-five, and then this position at, at at the Bears pick. And it's like that's not really how it works. Right. But there is the the reality of like, and I in an ideal world, you yeah. get these positions at that spot, and and these are the players that fall. Yeah, and I do think the other thing that I, I was watching running backs last night, and it's like it might not be a deep draft from like a talent standpoint. Like, there's no like bell cow running back. But I watched six running backs last night, and I was like, all these dudes run sub 4-4. Four, four. They're all good, tough runners, and they're all explosive play weapons. And when you took a look at, like, needs for the commanders in terms of, you know, Antonio Gibson leaving, everyone's like, oh, what are we going to do running back? Like, there's six dudes that will be around third, third to fifth round that are explosive playmakers. So I think that's the other thing. Like, the composition will change as the draft moves on, but I still think there's good football players there that, that you can maximize some of that later round stuff. And ultimately, it comes down to like the, especially those later on guys. Do you know what to do with them? And Correct. you know, we saw the Puka Nakua jer jersey behind, uh, behind Jim in, in the interview. Uh, and you know, that's a great example. But also, you know, if Ben Johnson winds up here, like what they knew how to do with Jameer Gibbs, like yeah. that's a great pick in the first round for Detroit because Ben Johnson knew what to do with him. And yeah. if he's coming here, he's like, all right, I need my Jameer Gibbs, and that guy's not going to be a first rounder. He's going to be a a fourth or fifth rounder, but right. if you get the right guy, like could be a, a tremendous day one weapon uh, for them. Or, you know, if it's someone else, whatever offense they're running, whatever defense they're running. If, you know, if you need a certain kind of box safety hybrid player for your defense to uh, Brian branch, if you're Aaron Glenn, yeah. you know, you may be Quan Martin's your guy, um, but who's, who's that guy. And so those targeted type of picks, the later you get where you just say, what are the strengths of this player that fits a need for us in a very right. specific square peg square hole kind of way um that becomes that becomes exciting later on in a draft all right next week logan will be in mobile so obviously we'll be talking draft we will talk some free agency though too had a great conversation on the radio show with brad spielberger from pff definitely worth checking out uh, if you're looking for something else to listen to or watch uh go check out my interview from the hoffman show with brad spielberger on kind of the the contour of this free agent class because the commanders on top of having great draft capital 
have 70 plus million dollars in cap space to spend. Uh, so Logan and I will get into some of that as we move forward as well. Obviously the latest on the coaching search, um, plenty to talk about all off season long here on take command. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, make sure you subscribe. If you're new to the show or just haven't yet, uh, make it easy on yourself to consume the football knowledge and we'll see you next week on take command.